Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the podcast Agility Humanity. My name is Frederik van Nieuwenhuizen, and I'm very happy to have as a guest Giuseppe and uh, Simon, both Agile coaches and trainers from Agile 42. And uh, first of all, I would like to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Uh, Giuseppe. Hi, I'm Giuseppe De Simone. I'm an Italian living in Sweden and I'm passionate about, you know, creating a more um, human uh, fitting workplace and help people become the best they can do. So, and I'm happy to be here. And I'm Wonderful. Simon or Simon, uh, Simon Zablowski from Berlin, Germany. I'm also an Agile coach um, and have been with Agile 42 for more than seven years now. I've um, worked and experienced um, Agile environments for 15 years, environments of different maturity, complexity, size, and I've taken on various roles. And nowadays I'm happy coaching people to yeah, become the best version of themselves. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, so yeah, we talked about to discuss uh, how to make education more effective, approaches to learning, um, and and uh, approaches to uh, delivering uh, workshops and trainings. Now, yeah, question to start off with is how can we make education more effective, uh, especially in times of that we're still working remotely, or in hybrid hybrid uh, spaces. So what are your thoughts on that? How do you design an approach which more fits the needs of, of people in, uh, in, this, in this hybrid and, and, and blended learning environments? Yeah, thanks for, for the question, Frederick. Um, I think, you know, a few fundamental things do not change, you know, regardless uh, which environment you, you are within. Like, first of all, the, the first step is about trying to understand what are the kind of learning you want uh, your, your students to achieve or themselves they want to achieve, right? And to which level of proficiency they have the ambition to, 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 to get. And the, the second thing is about, uh, like, having an experiential learning. Uh, because, you know, we... We learn so little by listening to lecture and learning so much uh, by, by doing things and especially by doing things together with others and through relationship with others. And that goes to the third point. The third foundation is about like, you know, we want to have a, a learning approach that is based on collaboration and creation, not that much just a consumption or competition. So these three pillars are the same regardless of the environment then in in when you know we are moving to a, a remote settling or distributed space the challenge to achieve this are just like setting in a high bar and we have been working uh, a lot to try to to reproduce the same experience in a in a virtual setting and and for instance i mean uh, like the the most useful approach that we, we, we managed to find was to use a blended learning approach. So where we could, you know, by using the power of, the power of digital 
and and remote collaboration tools. We could have like a mix of e-learning, like online self-paced learning, um, instructor-led um, remote workshop, and also like um, individual and team and group assignment plus individual group mentoring. So we found that by doing this, we can, you know, satisfy uh, the, 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 the foundation elements I mentioned before and then make it very, very effective in this uh, remote space. Okay, thank you. And then uh, in, in your experiences, like what, how do you tailor then, for example, um, your approach? You have these different aspects to create an, a blended learning experiences, but what are some aspects that you tailor or that you customize, I don't know, to reach certain learning objective? What, what is important there? Yeah, I guess, I mean, it's it's all about first understanding, as Giuseppe said, um, what should a participant take away from um, from a course, for example, or from any kind of learning environment? Um, what are the learning objectives? And and once you've clarified that, you can design the, the learning experience accordingly, right? So if it's just a foundational training, for example, um, we can focus a lot on self-paced online learning or e-learning because um, that comes with a lot of advantages um, it's in the name it's self-paced so you can you can take as much time as you need to go through um, learning content and do it whenever you want from wherever wherever in the world you are um, so it doesn't matter where you are and when you do it you go through it at your own pace um, and um, yeah, so in e-learning, um, you can really cover foundational concepts and cover a lot of theory, but as Giuseppe said as well, um, I mean, experiential learning is uh, really effective because we learn a lot by doing things and practicing things, also failing and learning from those failures or successes. Um, so there needs to be an element of practice, of actual practice. Uh, putting the theory into practice, um, perhaps in your own context, in your own work context. And um, we've uh, learned that collaboration is a very effective way of learning. So bringing people together, peers together to experience things together or to share their learning with each other can be um, very helpful as well. So that's another element that we can, that we can consider when designing learning experiences. All right. Uh, yeah, I, so I can relate the most with, as we are working in, in the space of Agile and Scrum, uh, I can relate the most with uh, delivering Scrum uh, training, so Scrum-related workshops. So what, what, what in your experience are some of the aspects for which you really need to be toge together, eh? physically together or remotely together, to, to have this experiment, experiential learning, though, that through collaboration and know, discussing and reflecting together, you get this deeper understanding. Because a lot of the things that we teach are like on the surface about practices or you know some kind of methods that, that you learn and that you can do. But to understand those, those principles, yeah, it's, it's really needed. To, to be together. So what are, what are some of the points or maybe an example that you can share that you say like, wow, thanks to this, 
experiential learning cycle and thanks to collaborating and discussion, people understand it on a deeper level. <laughs> you yeah, have any uh, example, any thoughts? I mean, I can start saying that, you know, in order to understand, uh, you know, which kind of teaching technique we, we, we should use, right? We, we really try to, to, to reflect and, and also with the people that have been, you know, are the supposed students uh, for any program we develop about, again, what's the kind of a level they, they, they need or they want to reach. And we use like Bloom's taxonomy to this. Uh, it's a, it's a, a staircase of, of different levels of proficiency that the students need to reach in a certain subject. And depending on that, you know, there are like a certain teaching technique that are most more or less uh, um, effective. So, so for instance, if you just, if it's enough that you remember something, for instance, you are, are able to list the, the, the four values of the Agile Manifesto, maybe, uh, you know, a text, a lecture, or a small video can be enough. But if the people need to, for instance, compare uh, two different methods or two different approaches, or they need to be able to, uh, uh, like, analyze, for instance, a, a, an, um, a tool or another kind of approach. To reach this kind of level, just lecture or text or, or uh, videos are, are not enough. Then you need to, to put in place some kind of hands-on activity so they can actually, through the practice, reach this deeper level of, of proficiency and understanding. And this can be any kind of, of, uh, of activity. Some activity, are we sti still we are um, still able to reproduce in a just online self-paced requirements. They can be quizzes, they can be card games, they can be puzzles, uh, but some requires or benefit from, uh, from the presence of, an, of a, of a, a trainer or, or a coach, so it must be more instructor-led workshop because you need a facilitator to, to, to support uh, small groups, collaboration, interchange of, of opinion, and maybe you might want to give feedback um, based on, on your subject matter expertise. So I hope I, I gave a couple of examples of this. Simon, would you like to add anything? Yeah, just, just to add uh, on top of that, I think uh, we can also distinguish further between um, application where we require the interaction with peers. So we can, we can collaborate, we can exchange with our peers who are also learning and gaining experience. Um, and then application at a high level, for example, um, you mentioned comparison or evaluation or analysis, um, where we probably need an expert um, who can provide us with answers to our questions or who can guide us a little bit um, using their expertise. So those, those are further things that we um, consider when designing experiences. Yeah, and this can go, can go up to, for instance, uh, giving assignment either on, on case studies or asking people to practice certain things with their real teams and, and, and reflect back and provide a report of this experience that we can discuss uh, together and give feedback. And that kind of, I would say, 
the the highest possible level of of reflection understanding because you really really learn when you practice but that's not even enough but when you reflect and try to conceptualize your experience uh through personal reflection and through uh interaction and feedback so uh, so when when we need really this kind of proficiency that's a, uh, one typical example of teaching technique the, or educational technique we're going to we're going to use all right now a uh, question that i also would like to ask to yeah people who who educate and and give professional trainings is how do we how do we uh, engage or how do we deal with people who are a bit resistant you know who we design quality courses with this experiential learning uh, approach um, and and but still sometimes you have participants i also had them in 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 classes yeah people are not not always that willing to participate in in such activities or they are very serious minded and therefore resisting to step into any kind of game or simulation while yeah the first the first thing of course is to do is to have that concrete experience to to work together in the group to share your thoughts and ideas so how how do you how do you set that up or how, what kind of techniques do you use or or what kind of situation did, did you come across and how did you uh, how did you deal with that yeah so i mean first of all um we would never try and force anything down somebody's throat right so you don't want to teach somebody who doesn't want to be taught however um sometimes um it might need some sort of convincing and i don't mean that in a in a in a <laughs> forceful way again but um i think key is to try and empathize with people and understand why they are resistant or why they are hesitant or why they don't buy into your learning program um and also try to understand what would be in it for them right so understand their situation and how what you're offering the learning that you're offering can be beneficial for them and how it can help them in their daily work if you get that right and if you're able to communicate that effectively i think then people will be inspired and and motivated to participate and engage right and um yeah we should never forget that's ultimately what we want to achieve right we want to make people's lives happier and help them be more effective and happier at work and um yeah also produce valuable outcomes and and all of that right so trying to figure out how to do that is really a key skill i mean i can i think what what simon was was saying about like this profound respect that we must have for people right for instance i mean don't push things that uh, because it yeah that's just like insane but i think there is another uh, element of respect that is also about involving people in what they want and what they need to learn and especially when when we because we we have a a, a program called agile for organizational learning basically we are designing full uh, learning experience and full learning platform for for big or small companies like from 10,000 people to 500 people or even 100 people right and when we we go there it's very important you know especially in the initial phase like adopt a co-creation approach 
with, you know, of course you cannot have it with 10,000 people, but at least with the uh, um, representatives of the different um, uh, possible, you know, groups, uh, user groups in the in this company about, okay, what did they need to learn? How these things can affect their work positively? Um, and do it in, in a very respectful way, in a non-prescriptive way, uh, because you know, other we just learned that other approaches are, are simply not working, right? And 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 also there is this aspect of of gamification of fun that that you mentioned before. We also struggled or tried to make people understand that you know we can be very serious and have fun. You know, having fun doesn't mean you are you know ridiculous or you are not taking things seriously. So we're really very proud to. to taking fun very seriously and help people learn while doing that. Yeah, indeed. And actually, when you can create an, a fun learning environment, people are the most receptive as well. And they're open-minded, they engage. You can see that they are enjoying also in, why, in one way or another. And that does, gives me as well great satisfaction and, uh, when, uh, when you can be part of that or, or make it happen. Absolutely. Now, yeah, so, okay, we talked about how to create a learning experience. Um, then there is this part, uh, both, I guess, in, in, in traditionally structured uh, education. My kids go to school here um, or, you know, the, the, the learning experience that we're creating. Like the moment that the course has ended or my kids step out of the classroom, they kind of enter a different world, they come at home or people, you know, they go to their normal day job. So how, how can you also facilitate <coughs> or uh, create something that people continue to apply what they have learned, uh, that they actually also step into um, yeah, having a an, 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 an mindset of continuing and actively ex experimenting with the things that they have learned in the first place? I think there is always a chance that people engage with um, a learning program and do it kind of in isolation. So that's one thing they do. And when they switch to another context and they do something else, um, they don't transfer the learning into that context, right? There is always the chance, but we, we try carefully to design learning experiences in a way um, that all the learning that happens, um, all the learning that participants generate as part of the learning experience is relevant and applicable, right? So that they learn something that is relevant for them in their role um, at the right level of experience that they can take away and apply in their working context immediately. Um, so um, that's kind of the, yeah, the, the aim that we have. We try to incorporate that in designing learning experiences and we um, include elements of application. Giuseppe um, mentioned, for example, assignments, where we say, now that you've taken this away from this learning program, please apply it in your working context and report back to either your peers or to us as your instructors or the experts in that case, um, what you've learned while trying to apply things and also what outcomes um, you've been able to generate with that or what you found particularly difficult and perhaps we can help you um, 
you know, improve next time that you try and do something. So uh, I think that's something that can really help to make things stick and make things um, applicable. Um, but there is always a chance that people just learn in isolation and don't, you know, apply things. Yeah, thank you. All right. Um, something that, that came to mind also is is that uh, called the Ebbinghaus curve and basically says that people forget a quite a high percentage of the content that, that they have learned. And then there are a number of techniques there to, um, to mitigate that, uh, which is also effective for, for students, for example, learning uh, spaced repetition and things like that. Um, is how important is that in your in the in the learning experiences that you design that you design and create? Um, you know, to to really to to grasp the fundamental um, um, learning objectives, for example. How, how how do you how do you build that in into your learning approach that people don't like? Yeah, yeah, we are perfectly aware of this. Like you know, it's probably each of us has a experience of this. So, but we also know, as you said, that there are like various factors that can affect this rate of forgetting, right? Uh, I'm just mentioning a few and then, you know, explain how we are using this. For example, I mean, and this is connected to what Simon was saying before, like the meaningfulness of the information, right? How meaningful is what you learn for, for your job or for your life? This can affect the rate of for, for, um, forgetting. And, And of course, we are really, really careful about through, you know, co-creation and uh, and uh, making it very practical, give practical tools. We are very careful about making the learning relevant, right? And and we want for each of the module they learn, we want them to have a tool they can immediately apply in their daily work. And usually, you know, one of the most common debriefing questions we have, especially also in, in workshops about, okay, how could you put this into practice tomorrow, right? So because we want really to. Another aspect is um, the way things are represented, right? It goes back also what you said, Frederick, about having fun. And, and again, we try to have interactive learning experience, also sometimes simply using fun pictures in, in our e-learning course. You know, we have a, a very... Uh, very good uh, designer that you know creates these wonderful pictures that we put in our courses and then it seems like a small thing but it makes a, a big difference and please simon yeah i think um we already mentioned it before but another aspect that comes uh, to play or comes to mind is um peer exchange so we really try to encourage people to establish peer groups or to exchange regularly with peers um, who become learning partners, right? Who form groups or teams over a longer period of time. For example, um, in one of the uh, uh, in one of the companies that we supported over a longer period of time, um, there was a learning program that would finish after one and a half years. So peer groups of three people um, would stay together for one and a half years, usually people from different departments so or different functional areas who hadn't met before, who didn't really work closely with each other on a regular basis or not at all. 
And they would meet every week for a couple of hours to exchange what they had learned recently during the week and um, also help each other, right, by reflecting on the learning, um, reflecting on their experience and trying to identify improvements and so on. And um, first of all, this, this uh, reflection helps to kind of deepen the learning um, the exchange helps to get new impulses from from peers who are at the same or at, a, at the same or a similar level. Um, the fact that in this particular case people were from different functional areas meant that um, you would get input from other contexts. So that would help you reflect on your own learning again, and also. <laughs> And I want to emphasize this, uh, there was an element of peer pressure as well, right? What, you haven't practiced this? Um, so do better next time, right? When we meet again in one week from now. So that's another element that can really uh, foster retention or, you know, strengthen the learning. Yeah. I mean, this serves also another another purpose about like this, giving a cadence, right? Having a repetition, like re consider the same topic every X number of days or weeks. And this is, again, another factor that can affect uh, profoundly the rate of forgetting. So, so, you know, just that's how different techniques or different strategies we, we have been using to make sure that the, the learning sticks and it's immediately applicable in the, in the daily work. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, no, only recently I also joined uh, a course and um, not virtual, so in classroom. And besides the teaching and the training that I'm part of, very interesting. I enjoy the coffee breaks a lot because there I can, again, talk with people, exchange ideas, connect with peers. We're, we're also creating working groups to work on a, on a, on a case, on a team case. So yeah, that, that is, that's very, very interesting. And in the meantime, you're also kind of building relationship, building a relationship with the other participants in, uh, in the, yeah, in the course or in your working group. Now on that level, eh, it's, um, when we teach or when we design a training, it's not only about the concepts, the content, but also creating this connection. And uh, yeah, how, how do you, how do you, um, cater for or how do you uh, take into account to create connections with students yeah and to also in a way care about or look out for the uh, the well-being of 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 the the participants of the course so more this yeah um maybe emotional emotional um physical psychological aspect of someone who is part of your yeah uh, participating in your course how, how important is that or how does that play out i guess it's um very important um, to maintain a relationship or a connection to the people and not just deliver content right that's not what you want that's not enough you need to build and establish relationships um, in order to deliver that content effectively it doesn't work without um so, I mean, our experience um, in the context of uh, what we mentioned before, organizational learning, where we help organizations to become learning organizations and where we use blended learning approaches, um, 
Again, this is the combination of e-learning or self-paced online learning and then instructor-led workshops or training, um, is that we that we kick off such a program with <coughs> excuse me a number of participants um, by <coughs> sorry by aligning expectations or eliciting expectations, um, clarifying what the scope and the structure of a program is going to be because that's important also how much time people need to invest in order to um, you know generate useful learning from it and um, yeah what the format of the whole program or experience is going to be that for example they are going to exchange with peers they are going to apply things practically and uh, things are going to be showcased or reviewed and they're going to get feedback and so on um, so yeah, long story short, I think it's important to align expectations and understand what's in it for them and also what's in it for the organization. Um, and then to regularly inspect and adapt or check in and to see if people are, um, you know, going through it without impediments, um, that they are taking away things that are useful to them and adjusting if, if necessary, right? So you should mm -hmm. never... Um, expect that what you've designed for people, even if you've involved them, is what will meet their needs, right? So you would all, you should always expect that you need to adapt at some point because nobody has all the answers, right? You always need to experience things and to try things before knowing what else might be better. So, yeah. So in a way, we're also making assumptions all the time about... All the time. What, what could work, what yeah, what might work. Yeah. Exactly. We always make assumptions. We just constantly, you know, we just have to constantly remind ourselves to validate those or to invalidate those and come up with better better ideas. Yeah, I want also to, to bring another aspect to this conversation that actually we learned that it's more important than we thought because when we started creating self-paced learning, e-learning, like we just tried to reproduce the same quality and the same content and the same level of understanding you could have in a in a in a instructor led training and so on but then we realized that that added a, a, another benefit because when you are in a distributed environment and you are you know 8 hours a day in meetings or in workshop or uh, on zoom and and so on having the possibility to reduce this time and then learn something at your own pace right because now this work life and private life is so blended, you know, uh, and the kids are at home and, and so on, like having the possibility to do something when you want, where you like, uh, how you like, it's actually affecting positive this um, human relationship as well. Because also, you know, we know that psychological factors like stress or, you know, fatigue or sleep can also affect the level of learning. So we realized that we tried to reproduce the same thing and we ended up with e-learning to have actually have an additional benefit uh, that we, we, we couldn't figure in, in the first place. Hmm. How, how do you measure uh, if a training was successful? Like what are like the top three uh, criteria for success that you know, wow. I mean, we, we nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can measure quantitatively by just, you know, asking how, how well did we do or how well did you do, right, on a scale from one to five. Um, 
So how effective was this training? How much did you take away? Considering what you experienced before, perhaps. And we can also measure um, qualitatively um, mm -hmm. by asking what exactly did you take away that you will apply immediately in, in your own context, right? And, and if we get lots of stuff there, lots of answers and responses there, then we know that it was plenty, that it was very useful. Yeah, and I tried it out. I noticed that asking feedback immediately when after a course or at the end of it, and then asking it after a longer period of time gives also different results and different insights. Absolutely. Some things take time, right, to settle in. And uh, sometimes you need to reflect on something. You need to perhaps also discuss things with others before you can really see the benefit of applying those things. Do you follow up in, in one way or another afterwards as well? Yes, I mean, um, with participants of such learning journey or learning experience, we are in regular contact, right? So we try and, and um, elicit as much information and insight from participants as possible without you know, bothering them too much. But we really try to constantly or continuously improve. And even if you're buying an e-learning course on the web and you just have a just one-time transaction with us, you know, there is always the possibility to, uh, to, to, to review the course and give a feedback. And we are taking those things very seriously. And, and sometimes we also get in touch back with this person, try to understand what's the feedback that, that they, they, they wanted to provide in case, you know, it's, it's not crystal clear. Right? We also try to do constantly like um, user interview or customer research with uh, with our community or with uh, trying to, to see what else can we improve and so on. So we, we, we take the interaction with students very seriously and on different levels, you know, and of course the, the, the way of doing it vary whether it's just one-time transaction or it's more like people kind of participating to a longer learning journey. Okay, wonderful. Anything else that you would like to add or like to highlight? regarding creating learning experiences? Yeah, maybe, maybe you know, again, to these things about, uh, like, students want to learn at their own pace, right? So this was something that we 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 discovered that, that it's very good. But on the other side, you know, we learned that this is also, you know, creates higher risk of what Simon talked about before, like uh, training or, or learning in isolation. So, so, you know, we, we, we learned that, you know, we had to put much more effort to, to create this uh, small cohort and have synchronous reflections or exchange uh, because that's not something that happens on itself. So we learned by, you know, <laughs> failing in, the, in this case with the, our first big client and, and now we're adopting like also slightly different strategies to that. Uh, but um, yeah, so maybe that's one learning I can share. In a classroom, you can you can do some magic <laughs> and improvise a lot, right? And people will end up being happy probably and taking away lots of useful things. Um, in such an environment, you need to design things carefully and constantly inspect and adapt and improve, right? So um, a different environment will have different needs and you need to 
try and meet those needs, right? So you need to adapt in that case. Yeah, so at the same time, the benefit also for us is you can reach many more people in that way um, than in a classroom, right? That has constraints, physical constraints or virtual constraints. Um, and yeah, but you have to design very carefully. Design very carefully. Well, uh, let's try to uh, wrap up and, and sum up what we have talked about here. Like, what are the mo what are some in two or three keywords? How would you summarize the the learning approach that we have elaborated here? I'm thinking about experiential, fun, uh, blended, blended. Yeah, yeah. Experiential, fun, blended. Exactly. Blended learning is kind of the, the best of both worlds, right? So we, we talked about the, the advantages of self-paced online learning um, and also instructor-led learning or training. Um, it needs to be fun and entertaining and inspiring and, and also, you know, enjoyable. And um, yeah, what was the other? experiential like you know that's to be like yeah so you learn you know you, most people learn by doing right so by practicing by applying things and learning from that experience so yeah i think that sums it up nicely all right so thank you so much giuseppe and simon if uh, any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you to uh, to ask a question or to get to know what you're offering how do they how can they reach you they can send an email probably i know that's a little old-fashioned but send an email to education at agile42.com or All find right. us on linkedin <laughs> exactly yeah noted okay thank you so much thank you thank, thank you Frederick, for inviting us